Hello Scrappers, Jero here with a quick little introduction. Welcome to our second Patreon-sponsored bonus game, or as we like to call it, Jimmy Fame Presents Bonus Against the Machine, More Pod for Your Bod, sponsored by Charlie the Lizard Folk's Chicken Emporium, More Cluck for Your Buck. For this second game, you all voted for a D100 horror game, basically either Call of Cthulhu or Delta Green. We decided to go with Call of Cthulhu 7th Edition, but with a single major mechanics change. In order to help bring some of the game's terminology into the new century, we've decided to follow in the footsteps of pretending to be people and replace the sanity mechanic with a grip mechanic instead. It'll still act the same as far as the mechanics of the game, but rather than going insane, which is a problematic term that can lead to stigmatization of mental issues, neurodivergencies, and other real-life issues and differences that people can have. Players who fail these checks will instead lose their grip on the reality of the game's world. And for those who haven't played or listened to a game of Call of Cthulhu, a quick breakdown of the general theme. Most adventures in the system involve a group of characters who are more often than not just ordinary people with no special abilities or powers or anything like that, coming together to solve a central mystery. In the course of solving this mystery, they will travel to various locales, speak to various characters, and investigate various scenes, all using various skills. These skills were statted out by the players themselves before the session started, with some guidance from myself playing the role of the Keeper, which is what Call of Cthulhu calls its Game Master. To use a skill in the game, a player will roll a d100 and attempt to get a result that is lower than the number they have in that skill. The more skilled a player is in something, the higher the number, and therefore the easier it is for them to pass the check. Rolling less than half of their number results in what's called a hard success, and rolling less than a fifth is what's called an extreme success. Depending on what the player was attempting to do, getting these higher levels of success can lead to better results, if they only needed a regular success, to finding secrets, or even just getting the result at all if it was a more difficult check. On the flip side, rolling over a 90 on a skill the player has less than 50 points in, or over a 95 if they have more than 50, results in a critical failure, in which the player not only fails to do whatever they were trying to do with that skill, but I get to impose some sort of penalty on them. Basically, I can choose something bad to happen by adding in a complication. We'll also be playing using two optional rules, the push rule and the spend luck rule. Both of these rules can be used while the players are not in combat. In the case of the push rule, if a player fails a roll, they can describe a reason that they believe that their character should be able to pass that roll, either because of something to do with their skills or something to do with what's going on in the scene at the moment, or anything like that, if they can give a narrative reason that they should be able to pass, they can then push that and roll again. 
The downside of this being, if they fail a second time, it is automatically considered a critical fail regardless of what they roll, and I get to give them a complication. The second rule is being able to spend luck. Luck is one of your main stats in the game, and there are certain roles, such as attempting to find something, or avoid detection, or not trip a trap, or anything like that, that rely on luck. That's part of the normal gameplay. Where this optional rule comes in is the ability to spend this luck in order to improve a role. So if somebody fails a role and they want it to pass, or if they pass and they want it to instead be a hard or even an extreme success, they can spend points of their luck, lowering their luck score to simultaneously lower the role they got. The downside to this, obviously, is now their luck score is lower, and if they have to roll luck for something later on, it's going to be harder for them to pass it. Finally, I've made some of my own personal changes to the module that we'll be running, which is the Forget-Me-Not module from the incredible, incredible collection, The Things We Leave Behind. While I love this story personally, there are some issues I have with it that I have changed for this particular run, both in order to make it more enjoyable for the players and the audience, and to help streamline it in order to have it run a little bit quicker and have a couple of odd plot points that I feel don't quite fit right removed. On top of that, I have also changed the location of the module as well as the names and backgrounds of pretty much all of the major characters from the way it's written, which is more just a stylistic choice of my own, but something that I hope will make it interesting even for people who have played this module themselves or possibly listened to someone else who's played through it. And that's just about everything. So with all of that out of the way, I'd like to again thank our amazing patrons for making this series possible and raise the curtain on McFib, Episode 5, Culvert Operations. The house sits as it always has, silent, humped, and brooding on its small island amidst the seas of early autumn corn. The night sky overhead is covered in bruised purple clouds, occasionally flashing with heat lightning. An engine revs to life, headlights illuminating the peeling paint and splintered siding before turning, sweeping over the stalks as the car drives off into the night. Silence falls again. The clouds almost seem to press down on the sagging roof, the pressure in the air almost thick enough to see. Suddenly, a voice rings out, shattering the stillness of the night, blasting dust and dirt out in a ring from the house, shaking and cracking the foundation, and seeming to part the clouds themselves. Mine. The voice rings out again. Mine. And again. Mine. The house groans. The clouds break apart, revealing the Milky Way splashed above. And a figure bursts forth out of the front door. They stagger. Fall. Another figure leaps over them, rushes to a white van parked facing the house. They fumble with something, open the door, jump in. 
The van roars to life, its lights, like those of the car before it, splashing over the front of the house. Two more figures rush out, covering their faces with their arms. The one on the ground reaches out, trips another trying to pull itself up. The van begins honking, furiously, panickedly. The third figure helps the other two up and they rush to the van together. One pulls open the passenger side door, while the other two throw themselves into the open back. The tires screech as the van peels out and lurches forward, hitting the front stoop of the house. It jerks into reverse and flies down the rocky dirt drive and out onto a narrow two-lane strip of road. As the van grinds back into drive, the passenger door pops open and the figure inside slumps partway out. An arm grabs them and drags them back in, but not before an object falls to the road and is shattered under the tires. The door closes and the van speeds up, passes another house, newer, fresher, but just as unlit and silent. There's a thump from the back of the van, and it begins slaloming from one side of the road to the other, losing speed. A second thump. The van slows more, moving only by momentum now. It stops swerving and instead drifts entirely to the left shoulder. It hits a telephone pole, cracking it and knocking the van further off the side of the road. The left wheels sock into a steep, narrow culvert, separating the road from the sea of corn, and the van lurches to a final stop. everyone and welcome to jimmy fame presents bonus against the machine more pod for your bod sponsored by charlie the lizard folks chicken emporium more cluck for your buck and this is our second uh jimmy fame presents or mcfib as we've also been uh shortening it to our first one was the lovely pathfinder second edition game run by our very own jeff uh, for the second one, after our uh, voting was in that may or may not have been influenced by me saying I was going to do horrible things to Sam in it, uh, <laughs> our second one has been decided to be a game of Call of Cthulhu. Specifically, we are playing through the uh, Call of Cthulhu 7th edition modern campaign Forget Me Not by Brian N. Sammons, which is a really really cool campaign it's part of a uh, group of them that are called the things we leave behind which is uh, a group of four call of cthulhu modern campaigns really awesome check it out if you have a chance and since i just realized i have not introduced myself yet other than to say i'm running it <laughs> uh, i am jero uh normally i'm the voice of vargas and alwyn on the main pod uh joining me in the order they are on my Skype window, is Jeff. Hello, I'm Jeff, normally the voice of... We're going to keep that in, <laughs> dang it. I'm Jeff, normally the voice of Asher on Body and Submachine. 
Uh, Zach. Uh, I'm Zach. I normally play the, the rat or a lizard or an android, depending on what you're listening to. But today, my most terrifying of all, a southern man in his 60s. <laughs> uh, Izzy. Hi, I'm Izzy and also Kira and then sometimes some other people. I too will be playing a southern man in his 40s. And finally, uh, Sam. Hi, I'm Sam. I'm not usually on the show as anyone of consequence, uh, but today I will be playing a <laughs> Midwestern man. We've got men from all over the place here. <laughs> I don't think any of them are wearing hats. Uh, one of them is wearing a hat because I had to edit it out of a piece of artwork. Well, I wanted to make a joke, and I guess I quit the podcast. Oh, you can joke if you want to. Oh, man. <laughs> you can leave your puns behind. So I was like, wait, wait. <laughs> okay, there it is. Just craving for any sort of safety, hey. be it in a dancer otherwise. <laughs> hmm. So to start us off, I am going to kind of set a little bit of a scene here before we jump in like everybody to imagine we see a two-lane old worn kind of in disrepair highway road running through a cornfield in what really looks like it's got to be the middle of nowhere and it is a dark night maybe very late at night maybe very early in the morning and we see a white van. There is water on the road. It looks like it may have rained earlier, but it is now uh, fairly cloudless, not currently raining. But this van, two of its wheels, the passenger side front and back wheel up off of the ground. And as we kind of bird's eye view zoom into the interior of this van, uh, I'm going to reveal the first of the roles which I had my uh, players make before this game even started. Uh, actually, a few weeks ago now, I had everybody make a series of four roles. The first one of which was a con roll, which will determine the order in which our players awaken. So the first person who wakes up inside this van kind of tossed up against this now kind of tilted at about a 40 degree angle side wall in the back pressed up hard against a cabinet is a very large man uh he's got a short buzz cut it possibly prematurely gray or possibly just dyed that and to tell me a little bit more about what this gentleman kind of looks like physically, I'm going to pass it over to Jeff. Yeah, so this gentleman is a larger man. I, I sort of likened him to like a Red Guardian, David Harbour of, like he is not slender, but he also looks like he could probably have lifted the van up onto this angle maybe like he seems like he's he's pretty strong but he's also you know he's got a gut and he's wearing a even in this 
time period, it still looks vintage, kind of uh, sport coat and a bow tie. He looks like a man sort of dressed for an earlier uh, decade, but maybe that's just how he likes to dress. I don't know. And oddly enough, uh, as this man kind of looks down at his outfit, he's confused because he himself isn't quite sure why he's dressed like that. In fact, as he thinks about it, he can't even think of his name. He can't think of where he is. He kind of looks around and he doesn't know he's in some kind of room. And he sees three other people in this room with him but no it's not a room because he sees seats in front of him and there's two people slumped over in them and as he's looking he sees the man in the driver's seat a seat he feels like is more meant for him than the person that's in it now he doesn't know why he feels that but he does and he sees sitting in that seat a kind of tall lanky man long hair and I'm going to toss it to Sam to tell me a bit more about this gentleman. So this man, I think tall and lanky is an understatement because this is a guy who is a good six foot four, but maybe 140 pounds. Like he is all arms and legs and he has this long stringy dark brown or black hair and a uh, salt and pepper kind of goatee beard and the big deep set brown eyes and he's wearing a suit that where the body kind of fits him but like the sleeves are much too short for his overlong limbs and the pants that he's wearing that you can't see because he's seated are much too short for his overlong legs and probably his belt has got the pants cinched up all weird because he's probably like a size 28 waist despite being a, a veritable giant and yeah so this uh very tall gangly man kind of wakes up and is in the driver's seat of this what appears to be some sort of large van or truck and as with the previous gentleman he has no idea how he got here he has no idea who he is or even or anything what's going on why he's in this place none of it and he looks to his left into the passenger seat and he sees an older gentleman uh, with a large uh, hat that appears to have fallen off onto the dashboard who is just kind of slumped over against the dashboard himself who groans and starts to push himself up. And what does this gentleman look like, Izzy? Uh, gentleman is, uh, said a little older, maybe is mid to late forties has, you know, the salt and pepper graying beard, short hair, curly, close to his scalp, darker skin gentleman in sort of what one might call Western garb for, for additional, for those of you like me who have trouble picturing things in your head, I created this character about two days after I saw Nope. Um, so really, it's like Keith David in the opening scenes, uh, with a with a tinge of uh, Joel from The Last of Us. Right, and again, uh, same thing. You see the hat on the dashboard. You recognize it as yours. Pick it up, put it on. But otherwise, 
you don't know who you are. You don't know where you are. You look next to you and you see this guy who kind of looks, uh, as, uh, as mentioned in the chat, kind of looks like a, uh, if Jesus had a bad head cold type <laughs> character. And you hear movement from behind you, you look back and you see two people in the back. You see this very large man in this kind of out of place suit jacket pushing himself up off of a what looks like maybe a work table or a cabinet and then you see slumped on the ground with what looks like blood around the side of his head a man who's even older than you are who is very smartly dressed almost like he could be like a tv news anchor or something almost and this man is going to kind of moan and push himself up and he feels just an awful pain in his head as I reveal the second roll that I had my players make which was a luck roll to see whether you were injured when the van crashed and only one of you failed this roll uh, and Zach <laughs> as you tell us about this last gentleman uh, he is going to take one point of hit point damage the man hoists up his not inconsiderable bulk straightens his suit jacket and says <clears throat> well that rattled my peanuts so uh yes as uh he is the first to speak and so what does everybody else do uh you are all inside what appears to be a van or a truck None of you have any idea why you're there or even who you are well I think the the lanky man in the driver's seat is gonna like slowly release the steering wheel which is obviously quite useless in the state the van is in now and um just say i'm um terribly sorry we uh seem to have had a bit of a mishap um so you decided we're probably in a van like that that has been it Each appears other. that you're in a van. In fact, if everybody wants to give me, how about the uh, first roll of the night? Everybody, give me a find hidden. Ooh, ooh, super good at that. Spoilers. Roll. We're rolling it. Yeah, these are D100 rolls. Seventy-nine under eighty. Yes, D100. Yeah. Fail. Thirty-five under sixty. Uh, okay, Ooh, no, this one's almost gonna take a uh, almost a hat. Yeah. Okay, so everyone seems to have a whole lot of experience with this, which is great. Everyone said two numbers. Yep. So you have your number on your sheet, and then uh, the number you roll, you want to be under that. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. so your spot yeah. hidden. Uh, seventy-five or seventy-two. So in that case, the uh, only two. <laughs> People who kind of look around enough to figure anything out are Colm and Cyrus. Colm, as you look around, you're sure, yep, you guys are definitely in a van. In fact, those of you that fail get that because that's kind of obvious. Colm, you pick up that it's clearly some kind of work van. Uh, Cyrus, you are the one that notices there is a good bit of what looks like electrical equipment and like what looks like probably accessories for other equipment, though you don't really recognize most of it. You do recognize 
what appears to be a set of like a two sets of four of walkie-talkies with several of them missing off of the bases like the charging bases you notice battery chargers you see what appears to be like uh, clip-on microphones you see something that you swear almost looks like night vision goggles uh just a lot of eclectic weird electronic equipment and what looks like maybe broadcasting equipment Boop. Yeah, I just realized I'm going to apologize to our audience instead of uh, re-recording this later. I have been using character names a lot, and I apologize for that. I should be using uh, player names because no one knows what their character names are. So everyone pretend you didn't hear any of those, and from here until we find uh, character names, I will be using uh, player names. So, Zach, that is what you see. Cyrus looks around and uh, produces a little handkerchief dabbing at his forehead. Now, friends, I don't wish to alarm anyone as to our current situation, but my gourd appears to be leaking, and I, well, I haven't the foggiest notion what brought me here inside this van. Perhaps I should seek medical attention. Now, uh, I do understand your primary concern, uh, but it does appear to me that we're not much in a position of seeking medical attention or any kind of attention from where we are. So uh, unless you've got, you know, uh, some sort of medical item stashed away that I don't see, it seems to me like we've got bigger fish to fry. I look forward to our eventual southern homeisms off. What are they called? You know, when you say things that are, it's like fine. We're going to talk about it. Sayings, but I'm looking forward to the fish fry, so it's all good. I'm glad we're both looking forward to things in this otherwise dire situation. <laughs> Just a little southern jocularity for no reason. <laughs> but. Yeah. No, super, super upset. No, and. I, I, I understand the intricacies of the situation that we're in. I just find it hard to enunciate syllables right now and things are a bit <clears throat> blurry sounds an awful lot like a personal problem <laughs> that is not incorrect my other compatriots what say you um perhaps if we were to climb out of the van and um sort of nudge it uh, uh flat and that would solve one problem, at least. Now, son, I don't mean to be rude, but uh, you don't look like you're nudging anything larger than a bread box full of corn. <laughs> <laughs> Dang old moving a cornbread box. <laughs> Not cornbread, just corn. Corn in the corn box. I can't remember if I have any experience at all moving corn bread boxes, but um, I'm the driver, so of course all of you would be doing the nudging, just logically speaking. And when he says, I'm the driver, uh, Jeff, you get this weird, like, ping, not really exactly a memory, but just like, you feel like what he's saying is wrong. You're not the driver. Kind of feeling. Well, now I can't. 
argue with the fact that you're sitting behind that there wheel, but I got this funny feeling that I'm the one accustomed to driving, although I can't rightly recall. If I'm to be perfectly honest and transparent, I can't rightly recall anything, even uh, my, my own name. Do, do y'all know me? Do I know y'all? He does look familiar. You all kind of feel familiar to each other. Like, you don't recognize him exactly, but everybody kind of... Like, if you've ever, like, passed somebody on the street that looks kind of familiar, that kind of feeling you have with everyone else. I can't rightly recall, but looking around, it seems that we are perhaps some sort of theater group or militia. One of the two. Somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah, you know, my grandmother did have stories about uh, her old traveling theater militia group uh, <laughs> going from town to town, uh, just kind of selling globes and militia items as needed. So it's not unlikely. However, now that I've traveled the full breadth of the American U.S. South, I would like to know if there's a role for, like, check ID. Uh, there isn't a role for it, but if you guys kind of pat yourselves down, you can see if you have any sort of anything in your pockets or anything. Well, I for one don't know whether this evening could get any wilder. And seeing as I find myself in a van, perhaps... Y'all can simply call me Van Wilder. It's a good name as any. Well, uh, do you have suggestions for the rest of us, or? Oh, I'm sure I could come up with something. Probably Stick Man for old driver there. Uh, Hat Man <laughs> uh, for you, sir. And uh, I don't say it. Peanut say man. It. Say uh, it, you coward. <laughs> peanut man for uh, the bleeding senior citizen uh, with me here on the back. I can say with some confidence that I don't think my name is Stickman, but oh well, it's it's not like I would ever be carrying any sort of documentation that would say what my name actually was, so. Why would you? I, that, that doesn't seem like a thing people would do. No, Stick Man, Hat Man, Peanut Man, and Van Wilder on their theater militia runs, which I guess we do. Well, all right, then. Uh, assuming we're not late to some sort of obligation or another, it does seem like we should get back on the road either way. Is it is it like dark outside? I'm assuming it's dark outside because of spookiness? Yes, it is uh, very dark. It's probably... In fact, uh, if any of you would have actually uh cyrus has a uh watch it it first probably looks fairly nice but if anyone takes a close look at it it's like a knockoff rolex and uh looking at it he sees that it is about a quarter after three in the morning well if we are a theater militia group then we are working overtime because well i i have about a quarter to three on my watch here. Now, I agree with the assessment of our compatriot that we should ride this vehicle that we are in 
and remove ourselves from said culvert. Perhaps, my friend, you could take a gander in the glove box. See if there's anything in there. Because I'm still a bit confused as to the current situation as he's trying to get out of the back of the van. And I open the glove box. And you find in there the van's uh, registration and it is registered to an Obadiah Madison out of Austin, Texas. And Marlo, when you read that name, it sounds vaguely familiar to you. But no, other than that, you don't really get much. Uh, there's also there's a flashlight in there. There's an Allen wrench set. There's just a clutter of stuff. There's a couple of different maps of various uh, southwestern states. Nothing, though, that you think will be of much use other than maybe the registration, if anybody else recognizes this name. Uh, well, it looks like we got here, uh, and I'll kind of, you know, do that shake the paper and looks like this van here if it is this van is registered to an obadiah madison which strikes me as familiar in some way although i cannot think how obadiah uh do we know any obadiahs i believe the relatively genial bag person down at the local piggly wiggly who always helps me return my buggy to the carousel's name is obadiah but I wouldn't see why he would have a van. He's trying to just rattle the back. Well, that, uh, that does sound familiar to me as well. Uh, perhaps Van Wilder and Obadiah Madison are compatriots of some kind. Perhaps he's even the leader of our theater militia. I don't know what that title might be. I'm sure I could come up with something. <laughs> Stage manager general. Come on, don't direct it. <laughs> oh, I like the sound of that, Peanut Man. <laughs> now, I am glad we're all getting along here, but uh, it does seem we still have the problem of being stuck on the side of this road in a in a uh, a ditch of some sort, and it's mighty late. If we are en route to a performance or coming back from one. I imagine none of us will have rested the way we need to to sing those illustrious high notes. I assume I'm a tenor. <laughs> Hands you some manuka honey as he's trying to get <laughs> Mighty kind. Please carry some on. Um, would you say... <laughs> it just keeps me nice and glistening. They get that Pooh Bear vibe that I'm going for with my character. So is he able to open the back doors or are they kind of smashed? If he kind of really forces it. In fact, you know what? Uh, give me a strength times five. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, roll and see if you can get under your. Strength. Yeah, right, buddy. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Cyrus is like, well, I have exhausted the extents of my facilities and attempting to open this threshold. I will say uh, it looks as though maybe the front passenger door, though those of you, the two of you in the back, will have to kind of clamber around the two seats. But the front passenger door looks like it would probably be much easier to open than the back doors right now. 
Perhaps from your cranial malady, you're not quite at your full strength. I don't mind giving it a push myself. Oh yeah, that is uh, less than half. I got a 23 under 70. That is a hard success. So Jeff's character walks up to this, or not walks up, just kind of shuffles up on this weird like 40 degree angle of this back of this van up to this door, puts his shoulder up against it and just pushes the driver's side door open and you can hear it like squealing through the dirt of this culvert you're in as he forces that door open and then he just muscles the other side open flips it up against the wall of the van well all right then that was uh quite the impressive feat uh looks like this passenger door will open here as well so i'm gonna go ahead and get out right here but uh congratulations on the uh, initial door maneuver uh, you have won my respect, sir. I'm going to try and open the, the just the passenger side door. Uh, you don't need a strength for that one. That one just will open perfectly fine. Much obliged, hat man. It is a little bit of a weird angle to climb out for, but opens fine. Now, uh, Stickman, uh, if you are also wanting to get out of the vehicle, you might be able to maneuver your way on out this way. It is a bit of an odd angle, but you are uh, mighty slender. So maybe it'll work out. I would proffer from, of course, my not advantageous position here that it might, I don't know, be in our best interest to allow the scarecrow here to remain at the, at the wheel as we, uh, you know, step in the muck and, and push our carriage back to its road. So uh, as he's doing that, he's trying to get over a seat. He falls just kind of wiggles out. As he kind of falls back, he feels something press up against his right side. And it feels like there's something kind of small and hard in the inside jacket of his suit coat. Oh, that's it. I think it's, oh, no. Old ticket's still working. Uh, I suppose it's something. Oh, I just had a bit of agitation. Seems I have something inside of my suit coat here. Uh, and if you will check the object I just handed you in the roll 20. Well, it appears to be a cellular device of some type. Perhaps one of these black berries. And that is, in fact, uh, it does appear to be a... Uh, Working and turned on BlackBerry 8700, uh, top of the line. Though, obviously, you don't know that because you don't even know what year it is. Though maybe you do because uh, on top of having the time on it, just like your, uh, your watch does, it also has the year, 2006. In fact, specifically, it is August 14th, 2006. Did you say you have berries back there? It's impressive no. that they weren't squished in the... Whatever happened. I, I mean, I do not blame you for your mind's fixation on food, given your general constitution and demeanor. However, I have located what appears to be a cellular phone in my possession. While I do lack the augmentation of my eyesight to, 
accurately see everything on the screen. I'm quite sure it works. So, I, let me defer to my, my gentle friend in the hat here as I just get out so gently. And he falls directly on his face, handing <laughs> the Blackberry to uh, Izzy's character and just, just kind of face first and then just tries to get up and then butt overhead. And um, he's good. He's laying on the ground for a bit. Thank you for, for this trinket here. Are you sure you're up to pushing anything? Maybe you lay there, consider it. I'm, I'm going to take this here uh, light up rectangle and uh, shake it around a bit. <laughs> yes. And I will say you recognize <laughs> it. I love the idea of it. Is this character has never seen modern technology. I've never seen a phone before. One character is transported from 1860. Everyone else is from 2006. <laughs> Hatman clearly hasn't even seen electricity, um, so got that going for him. I throw the devil's square directly into the cornfield. Does Izzy's character uh, do anything with this phone? Kind of look through it or yeah, anything? Yeah, it's unlockable. The Blackberries lock? No lock screen. Uh, Blackberries do not lock. We'll scroll through and see if it has a map. I kind of forget what phones were like. I don't... Uh, you don't see a map. You see it has what appears to be like an internet browser, but you see there are no bars of signal on the phone right now. Okay. So that is useless. Um... As you kind of click around through it, though, you do see that it has what appears to be a list of contacts and a list of messages. The contact list, you see several names, you see the name Neil, you see the name Holly, you see the name Marlin, you see the name Colm, and you see a name that is just the letter N in quotation marks. And you see that there's also uh, what appears to be several messages from all of these contacts. Well, uh, whoever's phone this is, uh, I suppose, uh, Peanutman, you do have quite a few messages from a whole variety of folks here. A uh, couple different names, a couple different other things, a single initial. So uh, do you look at any of the messages that are on this I phone? Pass the phone back to Peanut Man. <laughs> I I don't know how to use Roll Twenty, so I just stole that from Izzy. Yeah, you know, yeah. Izzy looks. So holds it just for a second, looks at it. And he's like, "Hello, I'm Neil. Hello, I'm Holly. Hello, I'm Ian. Hello, I'm Comb. Hello, I'm Marlin. Nope, none of those sound right. I'm sure it's my phone." Yeah. And as he reads off these names, uh, Sam, your character gets this kind of strong inkling, sort of like Jeff had with Obadiah that when the name Holm is red. And Izzy, your character gets that same kind of inkling when the name Marlin is red, that it just sounds more familiar to you than any of the other names you've been hearing. Now, one of those does sound familiar, perhaps uh, this... In the same way this Van Wilder character seems to know our uh, Obadiah character, 
uh, perhaps uh, myself and this uh, Marlin are are uh, compatriots of a sort. I think there is a non-trivial chance that I know this Cone. This perhaps he is a fellow Stickman. The Stickman clan but, is large. I yeah, hear. Yeah, there's a Cone Stickman. Uh, now, uh, Mister Peanutman. Can you go through any of those messages and, and see whether any of those characters have addressed you by name? And then at least we'll all have first and or last names to go by as we try and shove this van out of its, not cops, but I don't remember what word was said because I don't believe that I'm familiar with it. I believe it. the term we've used is culvert. <laughs> and I would culvert. also defer to you, my upright companion, in the reading and navigation of said smart device. I seem to have misplaced my readers. I'm also just laying on the ground right now, just <laughs> cooling it down. Well, perhaps while Stickman sits on the uh, driver's side, we could commence our culvert operations and get this here vehicle back on the road. So if while Izzy is uh, looking through those, and we'll get back to uh, her character looking at the phone in a moment... If the rest of you kind of take a look at the van and how it's stuck. And everybody can give me either a uh, drive auto or a mechanical repair, whichever you feel you'd do better in. Just kind of looking at this. Sixty-five over twenty. Got a twelve under twenty on drive auto. Wish you got that before you put us in a ditch. Oh snap! <laughs> I shouldn't be driving. Shots fired. Yeah, I failed. Eighty-six over sixty. Okay, so you guys are all looking at this, and Jeff and Zach think maybe if you put your backs in it, you can really really hard you can get it out but sam you take one look at this and you know you are not getting this thing out of this culvert without a at least a tow truck like it is not moving under just manpower i think we may be barking up the wrong tree here with the angle that we've sort of gone into this ditch i um now i don't mean to besmirch any of you but my um i don't think we can lift a van out of a hole is what I'm saying. Just like logically speaking. That feels a fair assessment given our combined faculties at this juncture. Still laying down amidst the corn staring directly up. Well, perhaps we should mosey to the road for help or, or maybe, maybe determine why we're here in the first place? Starts to get up on one of his elbows. Seems like none of y'all have any idea why we're here. I wonder, given it's dark outside, if any of those radios in in the van there are functional, we might be able to walkie-talkie us amongst ourselves so in case we get separated, we don't lose sight of one another, so to speak. Uh, I, I dare say uh, we might find something helpful amongst all this uh, electronic stuff. 
uh, if not walkie-talkies or radios, perhaps some sort of flashlight device. It does seem that uh, we don't have a signal on the phone now, but I think if we keep moving down one direction or another, we ought to find something, if not just another car to help us. That said, we should not do so unsafely. For example, let us maintain a shouting distance with each other and also a, a light of some sort or maybe a safety vest. I don't know if we have anything from the prop section or the costume section, but we can check something out. Perhaps I may proffer an idea, my dear players, is that this tipped vehicle, while no longer capable of transporting us, still provides an advantageous point of view. Perhaps we clamor up there, see what's available. Maybe even get that little darn cell phone to work. Now, again, I do not mean to offend, uh, but you have been lying on the ground for several minutes now. Uh, are you up for clambering? Because we can no. clamber up and just kind of shout down. Absolutely not, my good friend. I myself um, consider my dispensation. <laughs> I have a concussion. <laughs> uh, well, Mr. Pinnitman, um, you make a strong argument for... Attaining the higher ground, we could um, climb up on top and then you can stay down there and we can shout to one another. You know, you're you're mighty tall, uh, Mr. Stickman there. We could hoist you on up to that truck and you could uh, reach on up skyward with the phone and do what needs to. <laughs> this is, we're going to be playing this game for four hours because <laughs> three of us talk much, so much slowly. Four hours. Uh, man on the ground pats yeah. himself. We're still in the back Everyone's of the kind of speaking no, no, in a draw. No, we're outside now, and I'm yeah, laying amongst know your the corns. The whole scenario is just the van, right? <laughs> it's, just the van. it's literally... It's, it's, it's just a bottle episode. Yeah, it's waiting for Godot, though, like... We just find a little bench and sit down. I don't think you... Uh, yeah, I will say, uh, if Marlin does want to before, uh, or maybe even during... And I think I said before it was during while everybody was looking at the mm -hmm. thing. So we can kind of rewind for half a second. This whole conversation still happened. But before it does, Marlin can look through the phone. Give me which one do you want to look at first out of those? Yeah, let's uh, let's just kneel because that looks like the most recent one. Um, okay, so I'm going to read this out loud for y'all. <clears throat> Sigh. Well, that was useless. Those kids were so drunk that ha that night half of them are still nursing hangovers. They don't even remember any of it. Neil. And the cops? Sigh. Might have something. Potential source. We'll see if it pans out. Now, uh, this message appears to be from a Neil to a Sigh. Mr. Peanutman, does that, does that ring any bells for you? Are you having any sort of uh, familiarity now, with that? Well, I have uttered quite. A number of sighs since I have laid my corporeal form down on this here agrarian uh, platform. That name does ring a couple bells in the cavalcade. A veritable bells ringing inside my dome. He sits up. Sigh, you say. Sigh. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, perhaps a relation of the Peanutman family. 
that said, this doesn't seem immediately helpful. I'm a, I'm a keep read. I'm gonna keep reading, y'all. Uh, uh, discuss what to do and how to hoist Mr. Stickman on up here. You do look like you weigh about sixty pounds, Mr. Stickman. So I'm sure <laughs> I could hoist you upon my shoulders if necessary to get you up to the roof of the vehicle. I was gonna say we've already managed to hit like a massive horror thing for me. Being in a car crash while a stranger goes through my phone <laughs> over my body. And it's just like, let's read these text messages out loud. Yeah, that's it. We've already hit Eldritch horror. I'm terrified. Yeah. That sounds Damn awful. It. That's the Gen Z uh, horror right there. Before we that's uh, <laughs> before we look at the uh, next Text. I will say, uh, if Jeff wants to lift Sam up, he between like their respective builds, like it is no problem whatsoever to put him up on top of the van. And uh, if you lift him up there, Sam, you looking around in three directions, you see corn, acres and acres and acres of corn. You see. Some skid marks from tires in the direction away, facing away from the van, obviously the direction you came from. You see a, what appears to be a light pole that is heavily damaged. You think you guys probably slammed into that before swinging around it and going into this culvert that you see goes along the side, probably for drainage for this cornfield. And in the other direction, what looks like maybe to the west uh, you're not entirely sure, but you kind of think it's the West. You see in the distance, maybe it's hard to tell how far away because the land is just so flat. But you think it could be a mile, it could be five miles. But you see in the distance what looks like might be the lights of a house further down the road in the direction the road is going. And uh, as you're Kind of looking at that, uh, what does Marlin look at next? Um, next one in the line, which I think was Holly. Uh, and actually, so as you're looking at the phone there and you see that name Holly, something in that hits you in a different way than the name Marlin hit you, but still in just this really weird way. And you need to make me a grip roll. That's also a hundred or D100 is... Yes, it is a D100, and you want to get under your uh, current grip. That is... Oh, that's awful high. That doesn't seem great. 88, and I think my... Mm. Where is... Where's uh, where's, where's the... You start at the same as your power, I believe. Oh, that's definitely... Yes, it's equal to your power. over 65. Right, so now you get to roll me uh, one of the few non-D100 rolls in this game. Uh, Roll me a D4. D4. Two. You are going to reduce your current grip by two. Oh, I see. Here we go. Got it. Grip down. Uh, yeah, so you take this uh, grip damage and you just feel like this sharp pain go through your head when you see this name and you don't know why. It almost makes you drop the phone like it's so sudden and unexpected. Got a second message here from, well, now that was strange. Uh, and just kind of shakes his head for a second, does like a quick temple rub. Is, ah, not sure what got the best of me there. Uh, got a message from uh, Holly. 
The more I read up on this house, the less I like it. There's a lot more disappearances than we thought and some strange deaths. I know this whole thing is a gimmick, but I'm seriously starting to get creeped out by it. The Arapaho legends and that weird transplanted basement, too. There's just so much we don't know, and I don't like it. Now, this one right here, I'm gonna not going to lie to you, fellas. This gives me the heebie-jeebies. This does seem awful for Bowden. I can't tell what this person is talking about. Seems to be some sort of house, and I feel uncomfortable just reading well, it, frankly. perhaps we were filming on location. And, uh, I mean, as players, star-crossed players as we are, uh, the, the dramatic troupe and whatnot, but uh, she mentioned a, a house and a, a what legend? I'm sorry, that word. Every once in a while, I just hear a bell. Do you guys hear a bell? Someone ringing a bell? <laughs> I don't know, sir. I, I heard Arapaho, a uh, native tribe, if I recall, of uh, American mm. Indians. I also have history. I was hoping someone would tell me that. <laughs> and I will say, you you definitely know that upon hearing it, but you're, as soon as you say that, you're kind of almost surprised that you did know that. You're like... How do I not know my own name, but I know this. That's odd. Now, perhaps this Arapaho myth is the basis for the play that we are putting on. Now, I, I don't want to cause too much alarm. He gets up, starts to slowly dust himself off. But perhaps Holly is our stage manager. You know, given what I know about the stage and stage management, God bless their hearts, it does make sense that I would be terrified of that person as a <laughs> player upon the stage. <laughs> that said, it does seem like this has introduced a whole other element. I wonder if this uh, Holly thinks we were headed to or perhaps from this house. Either way, they do not seem to like it. As they say, I do not like it in the text itself. And correct me if I misheard you. You said more disappearances than we expected as if to imply that some disappearances were expected and that is mighty unsettling uh it is indeed to uh to clarify it does say more than we thought which uh you know isn't in any less terrifying but does at least imply perhaps they were not expected Simply consider. I mean, I, again, have a lot of trouble recalling my experience with the dramatic arts, but I do remember a time when my players uh, put on a streetcar called Desire, and I wound up stelling myself three understudies in, so perhaps that's the type of disappearances we're talking to. Now, I just need everybody to calm down. Not sure why I'm from Louisiana at this point. <laughs> Definitely gone. We, but we, hey, you don't know my backstory. I don't know my backstory. No one knows my backstory. <laughs> I was going to say, you're slowly drifting further west as you go. Now, I um, don't mean to interrupt this thoroughly fruitful brainstorming <laughs> session, but um, and he's, called, he's like straddling the corner of the van. Like, 12 feet up in the air because the butt of the thing is sticking up and out of the culvert and um, he's calling down. Um, it looks like weeping corn trees in um, every direction except um, back that way. And he points um, in what we vaguely assume is west. I see lights at least. So um, there might be people there who know their names or um, are interested in a performance. 
of some kind. If we would like to dust ourselves off and perhaps walk that way. Not not walk this way, but that way. Sure, sure. Uh, now, before we head off now, maybe you could uh, just, just real quick check and see if we get any reception on up there, uh, Mr. Stickman. I could hand that up to him, if you don't mind. Van Wilder uh, will grab the phone from Hatman and uh, see that it's August 14th and say, Oh, well, we said the uh, August 14th, that, that's Falkland's Day. Did you know John Davis first sighted the Falkland Islands in 1592? And then he'll blink a few times and say, well, Apparently I'll do that. And then he'll hand the phone up to Stickman. And Stickman will hold it up as high as he can and look for service. Does he get any bars? As he kind of holds it up and moves it around, it almost, it picks to one bar for like half a second and then goes back to nothing. Well, shoot. Now, when you all are done with said tablet, I would appreciate anybody laden with medical knowledge to perhaps see if I have graciously received a concussion by the way that I have been carried into this culvert. Now, interesting thing that you bring up, those Falklands Islands now, now in, what was it? I'm doing my best right now, like 1983, two, two, I'm going to guess two. 1981 there was a mighty wall there now wasn't there it doesn't matter someone needs to see if my brain's leaking out of my darn <coughs> throws up just directly <laughs> now i thought we had mentioned just spreading some of that manuka honey on there it's got antibacterial properties according to my knowledge well here just now, don't that look like some scattered, smothered, and covered <laughs> home fries? Are we talking about Waffle House? I'm so sorry. <laughs> actually, Izzy got really excited about that. Waffle House is one of my passions. <laughs> uh, just hold this phone for a second while I climb down. Jerome is just off. gone. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I cannot. Uh, they literally <laughs> won't leave the van. <laughs> We're going to stay here for four hours. Perhaps we could take apart all of these walkie-talkies and construct a super antenna that might allow the BlackBerry device to call us a tow. I believe while we're doing that, uh, I can go pick some of these corn trees and make us a quick snack since we're liable to be here for a while. And why not process it for now. biomass? And just ethanol. Why not? Let's just sit here and just, let's just fill the tank with ethanol. Something. That's a great use of ethanol. <laughs> I think Stickman will pitch the phone down um, in the general direction of Peanutman. <laughs> just, <laughs> just hits me in the head, puts me back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> just throws it way harder than is necessary. <laughs> yeah, takes one more point of damage. Now that rattled my peanuts <laughs> like five minutes from now. I will say, now that you guys are all kind of, like, awake and oriented, if you want to actually, like, more thoroughly search the back of this van, like, maybe look for if there's a first aid kit to help <laughs> uh, Peanuts Man or anything <laughs> like that, I will let you guys do another uh, find hidden with a 20% bonus on it this time, so... Whatever you roll, subtract 20 from that number. Well, Peanut Man brought a negative six to the table. My God. 
Yeah, Colm is just sitting, um, or I'm sorry, Stickman is just sitting crisscross applesauce on the top of the van at this point. Just kind of vibing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a uh, 16 under 75? Yeah. Yeah. I had a 17 before the minus 20, so that would be a negative 3 under 25. We are so successful. Yeah, so... So all three of you have extreme successes, which means you find basically everything there is to find in here. You said that uh, Stickman was still hanging yeah, out outside. Yeah, he's up on top of the... He's, he's scared to get off the van. <laughs> Looking around, the first thing you do find is opening one of these cabinets that are kind of built into the side wall of this van you do find a first aid kit you also find a small box in one of the other cabinets that is locked and you can hear something rattling around inside of it and as you uh, find this jeff your character has just he hears his own voice in his head and he hears himself saying, You can't ever be too careful on the road. Always good to have a backup plan. Huh. And uh, Van Wilder will kind of pat his pockets to see if he has any keys on his person. Uh, he, in fact, does have a ring of keys. You do eventually find this very small, stubby little key that's like hollow in the middle. And you sock it into this little metal box and pop it open. And you find inside of this box, surprisingly, a handgun. And in fact, on seeing it, you immediately recognize it as a Smith & Wesson 681. Well, it, uh, it appears I had a key to this box and that, well, there's a firearm in here, a Smith & Wesson 681. I don't know how I know that, although I do recognize the S&W upon the handle, but I don't suppose any of y'all know why I would have a, a handgun locked in here. I appreciate gun safety that it was locked. I suppose you are onto something, Hatman. We really might be a militia. I mean, I can only assume you had a 681 for the smooth double action, but I have no idea why it's in our possession, my friend. Perhaps there's a rival theater troupe out to sabotage us. Perhaps they crashed us into that pole back there, and this is all their fault and not mine, probably. <laughs> and uh, as Izzy's character is looking through, trying to help find anything, uh, he spies what looks like just a bunch of accessories and attachments for maybe some kind of audio equipment. And he also gets a strong memory of himself saying something. Neil really, really went, went all out. out. Even, Even if, if there, there aren't any ghosts, ghosts, I'll still be able to, to hear them. them. Now wait a second, I seem to have a recollection of something too. 
seems that this this Neil fella set someone, myself in particular, up with this sound equipment. But did so with the uh, with the idea that we might be hearing or, or seeing ghosts, which is awful bizarre for a traveling theater company. I think. Now I'm wondering if there's some connection between uh, this memory and the Holly text. Are we heading somewhere with ghosts? Because those are categorically not real, probably depending on what we do IRL. I, I mean, we could be doing a, a show of Enric Ibsen's ghosts. Or perhaps one of the other multiple Broadway plays and, and theater productions that our people who <laughs> listen to this know. <laughs> perhaps we're going to a place where there's a very sensual pottery situation it is uh, August 14th and it's not terribly far away from Halloween perhaps we are rehearsing in advance of a All Hallows Eve sort of performance in a phantasmagorical thespian militia times well, it could just be Macbeth. More no. than Rosencrantz and Guildenstern went missing, and that screwed everything up. I don't, I don't mean to, to cast aspersions hereabouts, but if we are a theater group, what you've just said, sir, is mighty foul. Uh, oh. It's very bad luck. Very bad luck. I mean, in the theater, technically, but... Macbeth. Oh, my God. Y'all have no <laughs> decency about you. Well, this does not bode well for our future adventure, or I guess this particular one right now, wherein we are stuck on the side of a road next to some corn. Um, throughout all of this, Colm has been just, like, very, very carefully climbing down, just, like, taking, like, two full minutes to just inch down to the ground. But the once he gets down, he does um, actually look in the van with all the others. And Colm uh, did roll uh, during the role play, and he also got a... Uh, I'm assuming a fairly decent one. What is uh, Colm's spotted? Oh, it's 80 out of the gate. Okay, yeah, then yeah, he also gets an extrema. So as he's looking through as they're talking, he sees what looks like a charger for like a piece of hardware equipment, along with a bunch of other just little leftover bits of like clearly there is tons of electronic equipment that isn't here but all of the stuff to charge it and take care of it is and as he sees this little uh plug-in charger like almost what you plug into a drill or something he also has a memory come to him you guys are gonna love this stuff look this is an emf reader i'm not sure i know what an emf reader is but apparently I seem to recall thinking that you would all love it. So perhaps you all would know what it is. In fact, though, as soon as you say, I don't know what an EMF reader is, saying the word out loud, you suddenly remember, oh, I know exactly what an EMF reader is. It's a little handheld device used to read electromagnetic signals. You usually use it for helping with wiring and other things like that. But you specifically know it as... Just a trademark, can't live without it, ghost hunting tool. I'm starting to think that we might be some sort of ghost-busting theater troop militia combination. So I'm going to drop you guys some other things that you uh, happen to find. And with that, 
very thorough search. I'm gonna roll a e4. Two? Okay, it was Jeff who finds it. So how about everybody tell me what they found kind of rifling through themselves. So Cyrus stands up, patting himself, straightening, you know, kind of like straightening his, his jacket and sort of, well, I don't recall these lumps. And he pulls out first a card, turns the hat man. This, this looks like me, right? Holding up an ID. Well, this looks mighty familiar. Apparently my name is... Cyrus Montgomery II. That does ring a bell or two in the belfry of my mind. And what is this? And I have this key that number three with some sort of bizarre inscription on the other side. It looks like interlocking characters, something along the lines of a couple H's. Give me uh, an intelligence times five roll. As you're looking at the uh, interlocking. I rolled a 37 under 60. Yeah. You do think that it is a pair of interlocked H's. Now, this looks like a couple of tangled H's, if you ask me. (laughs) Ah, possibly the Heartbreak Hotel, uh, an Elvis-themed motel of sorts. Um. Found the new place to dwell, as it were. You said your name was... Cyrus Peanutman? Cyrus, which would track with those text messages my friend was pulling off of the cellular device found on my person. Cy, a common casual truncation of the name Cyrus. So as Stickman is going through his stuff, he'd gotten in his hand a, a ripped in half business card, and he, he holds the two halves together um, and um, sort of extends him out towards Cyrus and says, I, I think this is yours. And um, this, I, I believe, is me. And he holds out in his other hand a business card that says Colm, uh, videographer slash paranormal photography expert for Freight Finders LLC and a, a driver's license that indicates his name is Colm Driscoll. He's an organ donor. So he's got that going for him. Good for Colm. Cyrus, as you see that torn-in-half card, you are struck with a memory of yourself uh, saying something in the past. Now, I'm not carrying these. This is plum and soul. You have a memory of, as you're saying this, tearing that exact same card that you're seeing there in Colm's hand in half. He holds it up. On-air talent slash host. Cyrus. Fright Finders LLC, 1901 East 51st Street, Austin, Texas. Find me on MySpace, a place for friends. Now, Fright Finders, what do y'all rightfully think that is? Are we hunters of scary spooks? It's a limited liability company. (laughs) Our liabilities are mighty short in supply. Now, I also seem to have one of these cards, perhaps unsurprisingly, I seem to be called uh, Marlin Hatman, or uh, what what could be my given name might be Jackson. Uh, but Hatman seems to fit me better. I do have one of these cards as well. It seems that I am the lead sound technician at Fright Finders, which is fine. I would have considered myself more the host as well, but you know, now that we're looking at these cards, I do seem to think that uh, my good friend, Peanutman here 
is is more suited for that, even if he does not himself agree. It may well be in his venerable old age he is some for some reason insulted by business cards. Peculiar, but certainly a most curious individual and as you all might have anticipated, I also appear to be associated with this Fried Finders LLC. I apparently am Obadiah Madison, a production assistant. Do you also have uh, one of these keys as well that uh, our good friend Cy uh, Peanutman has already alluded to? That seems perhaps you're all coming from the same motel or hotel or... Yes, yes. Uh, it is uh, at the end of Lonely Street, Heartbreak Hotel. Uh, I have a key for room number 11 if we are rightly identifying the function for these crenellated objects. And I um, have one for room 5, it, it looks like. I seem to be in room 9. Uh, and I assume that our friend Cy Peanutman was sleeping on the street. <laughs> I have a 3, as, as previously stated. Obadiah, as you're looking at your card, rolling over your... Uh, wonderful uh, find hidden from earlier and uh, because you were the unfortunate one to get the roll on that uh, d4 earlier you spot on the ground almost un- almost wedged underneath the passenger seat of this van what looks like the corner of another one of these cards and you pull it out and so why don't you take a look at that, and as you read it off to everyone, roll me a grip. Yeah, uh, looks like I found the card for the production head, and then I'll make a grip roll. Woo! Uh, yeah, that's a 17 under 40. Right. You do not take any grip damage from seeing this name, but similar to Marlin earlier, though you wouldn't too much know, uh, you get this, like, shooting phantom pain through your head as you see this name, but you seem to be able to shake it off okay. Hmm. Hey, uh, Holly. I found her card. She must have been, a uh, quite a harsh taskmaster. Just seeing her name seems to have sent me a jolt through my temples. So you seem to have experienced the same sort of situation from this, uh, would-be stage manager. Now, now that you found that card, are you able to see perhaps what, what role uh, she may or may not have served? Is she part of the Frat Finders LLC? The production head herself, so it seems. Well, uh, should we get ourselves to a place where we find reception, uh, maybe she should be the first one we call. Or, given her... Uh, the the mysterious uh, situation that does seem to surround even just her name. Perhaps we ought to just send a text. My friends, I do not mean to end this line of inquiry, but my head is leaking, and even though we have found a first aid kit, I have not received any aid. Perhaps it would be advantageous for us to head towards that structure that our friend saw on top of the van. Does seem to be the one place that isn't uh, corn laden and could provide at the very least a charging station for our single, uh, I guess we're up to two, two cell phone devices now. 
Because we haven't seen a car drive by at all, right? Like, we've just been... Nope, there has not been any car drive by. There's no one. Uh, And... Yeah, so... Also, as Marlin uh, mentions, oh, we're up to two cell phones. Did anybody else uh, happen to find any phones? Because Marlin seems to have seen one that someone may have pulled out when they were looking around their stuff. Yeah, Obadiah has a, has a Nokia, but it appears to be quite broken. It does, unfortunately. Yeah, and Colm has uh, tracked down a Sony Ericsson. He's, he's holding it, but it is quite smashed. And those actually also uh, flip over, even though there's no reason for them to. I just thought that was a cool function that Roll20 had. <laughs> yeah, that's nifty. And that was actually the third roll that you guys made was a luck roll to see whether or not your phone was broken. And uh, peek behind the curtain, Izzy rolled a 100 on that roll, <laughs> which is why Marlin's phone was irreparably smashed to pieces by the van. Oh, no. I was like, I don't even think I saw it. That's because I don't have one. Impressive, because I didn't nope. think phones in 2006 were capable of breaking, particularly the Nokia. That's really <laughs> did some damage in that well, one. It took a pretty hefty bed 50 yards <laughs> in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I think that's going to be where we are going to end this uh, first session of Forget Me Not. We've been introduced to all of our cast of characters, or at least our main characters. We have a general idea of a little bit of who they are, and we got our next uh, step in mind, which is uh, heal up Peanutman and start heading on down the road. So I think this is where we will end it. Hope everyone has enjoyed, and I hope everyone uh, tunes in for the next part of the adventure. We'll see you then. The McFib Bonus Against the Machine is property of Network Against the Machine, LLC, all rights reserved. Call of Cthulhu 7th Edition is property of Chaosium Incorporated, and Things Who Leave Behind is property of Stygian Fox Publishing. See the respective websites for more details. See the show notes for all music and sound licensing information. If you enjoyed the show, we encourage you to leave us a review. I think we got a lot done. I I want to for our ability to get outside of the van and determine the one point of interest that Jero let us know in exposition <laughs> as our potential goal. If nothing in else, almost two hours. We have established firm characters that will, you know, be, that, that will be with true. us for the next two months, probably. They're very, very competent characters, and um, yeah. I am very proud of us for our ability to get out of that van. <laughs> did it absolutely (laughs) escape the van everyone's favorite coc scenario (laughs) we did it (laughs) hello everyone and welcome to oh dear god i don't have the name in front of me uh that's always a mistake oh dear god i don't have the name in front of me a bonus episode for Body Against hey, the Hey, here it is. Boop. I'm watching everyone react like children as we all get to the roll 20 at the same time. Slightly <laughs> different times. So I was like, and everyone's in sixth grade. <laughs> um, really changes my conception of Cyrus <laughs> as a character. Oh, yeah. 
He really has that humor of like the dude wears my car. Uh, American Pie era. That's now part of his character. <laughs> Kidding. We would get an MA rating. Um, yeah. No, PG-13. So sorry, Sam. You were playing the game. <laughs> I already said the thing. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> well... <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> this is why I said this might be two sessions. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's so funny. We can just have a whole and say what we're so, laughing about because. <laughs> yeah, I we could just have a whole episode of watching Jeff absolutely lose. I just can't. I can't. I'm crying right I now. look like good, and then I look at Jeff's face. <laughs> Oh, God. I'm glad my girlfriend just left. Otherwise, she would wonder what's wrong with me. Like, tears are streaming down my face right now. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> that truly rattled Zach's How many people too. are going to hear that? I wonder how many people will hear that line and think that exact same thing. <laughs> now, I, now I feel obligated to reference Peanuts multiple times in character to make sure that we know the enunciation. Oh. Okay, we're good. We're clear. I was scaring out. the yep. children with my laughter, and my wife had to come and see if I was okay. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so.